Name brand music productions in this motherfucker. There you go, there you go. There you go. Huh. We all about to find a thing. All about them designer things. I don't need no money, I got mouthpiece, my nigga. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I'm hot. I feel like pot. Praise it to the most high. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Termite B-E-Z on a Friday this time in America's Finest, bringing you that top shelf sports analysis. And as always, we're going to give it to you. Sugar-free, baby. Sugar-free. Thanks for rocking with us, y'all. Happy to get with y'all today. Um, Dad, what did you think about that last NBA Finals game? Well, you shot me... um, a text message at the end, towards the end of the game, and you said that the Suns are in trouble because of foul trouble, and that was the, that was the case with Devin Booker. Devin Booker got in a little bit of foul trouble, and um, so obviously that impacted the game. There's a couple of things in that game that I found interesting. Once I went back and looked at some of the numbers, and it was really shocking. DeAndre Aiden only scored six points in that game. Um, which that can't happen if they're going to win. And Chris Paul had a horrible game. But the one thing that that caught my eye, two things actually, that caught my eye, one was Milwaukee had 19 more field goal attempts Uh than than Phoenix, which is crazy. Uh 20 more shots. And the other thing was Phoenix did not get a single fast break bucket in the game. And so <laughs> you're not going to win any games under those circumstances. So, uh, no, but the thing that, that's interesting about that is. That explains DeAndre Ayton's lack of scoring because who tends to score when they're in transition like that? Well, they didn't. He didn't really get too many easy looks at the basket. I don't know. He Ayton, only had like nine shots in the entire game. Due to the way that he runs the floor, he he's the one who's generally the recipient and the benefactor of of doing that. So, and if Chris, and he goes as Chris Paul goes. Exactly. If Chris Paul's not going to have a good game, DeAndre Aiden ain't going to do nothing. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Chris Paul did not have a good game. Um, He did have seven assists, but that doesn't really tell the story. Numbers don't, you know, they, they like you said, they're like a bikini. You know, they, they don't show everything. They show a lot, but they don't show everything. But I don't know what I was about to say was that when you're watching the game, it didn't occur to me, which is maybe just that's on me. It didn't occur to me that there was that big of a disparity in field goal attempts in that game. It just it just looked like Phoenix just had a um, sporadic offensive performance in that game. They were they were good at times, but they could never sustain it. And I was like I said, the one thing that did surprise me was the zero fast break points. I didn't even notice that in the game. And in spite of all that, they only lost the game by six points. That's what's so crazy. Like when you see the stats when Milwaukee wins, it's like Phoenix has to be awful for them to win. If Phoenix just plays decent, it's like the Bucks aren't even in the game. You know, and I just don't understand why 
Guys only get up to play at home. You know, Chris Paul been in the league way too long to be playing this bad on the road. What's crazy, I'm looking at these at the box score, and I thought watching the game that, that Drew Holiday just had a horrific game. I thought his game was absolutely horrible. And um, it, obviously it was shooting-wise. He, he was four for 20. <laughs> That's hard to do. That's really hard to do. He didn't hit a single three, but nobody hit any threes in that game on either team. Drew Holiday takes a lot of bad shots. And he had seven rebounds, seven assists, three steals, didn't have a block. And he was a plus eight, but he only shot four for 20, which means that, you know, he did other things as he always does, Mm -hmm. you know, to help his team be successful. And that's the thing that you got to love about Drew Holiday. But thank God for Chris Middleton. Yeah, well. The way that the team is structured, Drew Holiday don't really have to score. No. If he scores, it's a bonus because Giannis and, and Chris, they can take care of the scoring. They, they can take care of the, of the lion's share of the scoring and let the other guys just kind of chip in here and there, let P.J. Tucker chip in. If Drew P.J. Holiday, didn't score you chip a single in. point. Brooke Lopez, you chip in. P.J. Tucker took one shot. In the entire game in 29 minutes. Well, his shooting percentage has been terrible anyway. So, And he was, um, of the starters, he and Brooke Lopez were the only ones who were minus in the plus minus. Brooke Lopez is not giving them too much of anything in this series. It's the way they're playing, though. What do you mean? Like, give, give him the ball in the post. He hasn't even gotten in the post. They don't give him the ball. Let him get on the block and give him the ball. Uh, Phoenix can't do nothing about it. I don't remember him taking one post shot in that last game. Every shot he took was from the perimeter, and almost I think every single shot was from three. Let me see. When you do that, you effectively take Brooke Lopez out of the game. He's one of your best weapons, and it forces DeAndre Ayton to have to defend. So it it helps you in every way, and they don't even utilize it because Bud is an idiot. Well, I noticed that they did have Aiton on on Giannis a lot more in game four. He defended him a lot more. Well, that's because they were going to that small lineup, though, too, Mm -hmm. where they put Giannis at the five. Yeah. But under those circumstances, Aiton don't really have a choice. No. But... Because you can't go, you can't put Kaminsky in no. at the five and to guard Giannis. In fact, Phoenix only had an eight-man rotation in the last game. They only had eight people play. Torrey Craig, Cam Johnson, and Cameron Payne were the only guys who played, who came off the bench. See, when you put Giannis at the five, you shorten Phoenix's rotation uh-huh. because you can't put those other guys in. You got to have Aiton out there, and if he's not out there, and Mil- and you got Milwaukee playing that small lineup, they're gonna eat you up. Yeah. So that's an effective adjustment for for Milwaukee. It it really is. And um so that game was was odd. I think this whole series has been a little odd in terms of the 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 flow of the play. There hasn't been consistent offensive flow in in any of the games. It's just been a a series of runs. Mhm. You know, you'll you'll have a team will go on a 11 point run, 12 point run and then another then the next team will do it and they're just going back and forth in that way. You know, very very different from the way that uh, Milwaukee and um Atlanta series went. Well, I disagree with that a little bit. I thought that Phoenix was much more consistent in the first two games. 
the whole game you're watching the game saying Phoenix got control of this game. There's no way Milwaukee's going to win. Yeah, but Milwaukee did have their share of runs and, and shortened the lead. But like you said, for the most part, Phoenix dominated. They always the answered the run. Every yeah. time a run came, somebody answered. You know, Chris Paul would hit a big shot. Yeah. Devin Booker come down and score. They turn over the ball. DeAndre Ayton running the floor, get an easy bucket at the at the basket or catch an easy lob. There was always a response. So every time they cut it to like seven, you know, they could they could hit two big shots and extend the lead back up to twelve. You know, they would they they're so good at that five point turnaround mm-hmm. to to extend the lead and keep the lead. When you're watching the game in Milwaukee, you're like Man, ain't no telling how this going to go. The way it's being officiated, it should be Milwaukee. Because you can't get a call in that building. You know, Milwaukee can do the most egregious stuff, no whistle. You come down, blow on somebody, they blow on the whistle. And so the disparage is just absolutely ridiculous in the calls. The games were officiated much better in Phoenix. Much more evenly, much more consistent. Everything. Well, also you had a, a Phoenix loss in a game that your boy Scott Foster didn't officiate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you know, I just think that um, it was. It still felt like there was like some residual hangover from Game Three, where Chris Paul was concerned, especially. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't really understand that. I, what I anticipated, obviously, and I think what we both anticipated is because and we because we both predicted that the series would be over in five, and obviously that's not going to happen. So we're wrong again. But we expected that Chris Paul's play would be more consistent and that there would be this greater sense of urgency that I really haven't seen, mm-hmm. you know, from either team, really. It's, it's really been kind of odd, but overall – because the series has been competitive, and I don't know if this is a factor, so maybe I'm jumping to conclusions, but viewership has been up versus last year, put it that way. It's up almost 40% from last year. Game four, the viewership was almost 40% higher than from last year, but still 21% down from 2019. I look at it like this. There should have been a sense of urgency because – you can't be feeling like, oh, we got home court. Giannis can beat you on your floor in a game seven. He can beat you. Yeah. So you can't be like, and now they put all the pressure back on Phoenix to have to win. Because it's tied up and it's going back to Phoenix. Whoever wins game five going to win the series. Well, it's that simple. Well, especially if you consider the pattern that's already been established because no road team has won yet. It's that simple. So if that pattern persists, then yes, Phoenix has to win. You know, so it's like there should have been this sense of urgency to be like, you know, we have to win this game four so that we can close out. We don't, we don't, yeah, we don't want to have to come back to Milwaukee because if that happens, your chances are. Of winning are dwindling. Yeah, I mean it's almost it's almost a guarantee that there'll be a game seven. Mm-hmm. But going back to the numbers from 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 game four, um, and the longer this series goes, I think the more it swings to Milwaukee's yeah, favor. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. No. But let me finish my thought about the the numbers from game four. Phoenix had seventeen turnovers, and Milwaukee only had five. 
Okay, you can't. Well, that's the shot disparity. Well, not only that, but offensive rebounds as well. It was the same, the same numbers. Seventeen offensive rebounds for Milwaukee to five for Phoenix. So that's the story. That's the story of the game. So every time they got an offensive board, they got an extra shot up. Every time. Mm-mm-mm. You know, so that's why you have a 20-point shot disparity and, and no fast break points. When you're getting killed on the offensive glass like that, you're not getting a chance to get in, into transition. And that's where they'll destroy Milwaukee. That's where they have the decided advantage. So, no. And they still only lost by six points. It's, it's insane to me. It's like the numbers don't even make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's like if they had played halfway decent, they would have won by 10 plus. It was in it, or if Phoenix could have just got a stop at the end that they needed. You know what I mean? It was like two possession games. That's one stop away. And a lot of those um, offensive rebounds came late, too. Came in the fourth quarter. I don't know if we could, you know, it'd be great if we could break it down by quarter. Like, how many offensive rebounds did Milwaukee get in the fourth quarter? I bet you they got four or five. Because in the third quarter, I was thinking, Phoenix might fool around win. Well, Milwaukee was down by nine in the fourth. You know, so a lot of times it looked like, even though Phoenix hadn't played well, it looked like they were still going to manage to win. Mm -hmm. You know, but Milwaukee just kind of hung in there. Mm -hmm. They hung in there and hung in there and they battled and battled. Didn't play well. Neither team shot worth a crap from three. Their overall field goal percentage wasn't even good. Overall field goal percentage um, in that game for for Milwaukee was only 40%. Phoenix shot 51%. Mm-mm-mm. But they didn't get up enough shots. They got killed on the offensive glass and turned the ball over. So if they clean those two things up, they'll be fine. All they got to do is take care of the basketball. That's just fundamentals. Yeah. Block out and don't turn the ball over. Fundamentals. You know, you know, DeAndre Aiden did not get in foul trouble. He only had two fouls. But um, Devin Booker getting in foul trouble late really hurt them. Because mm-hmm. he didn't come in until the six-minute mark of the fourth mm-hmm. after he picked up that fifth foul. And he should have picked up a sixth when he tried to um, defend a break against Chris Middleton. He fouled him. And they didn't call it, so they gave them a break. But, you know, be that as it may, all they have to do is clean those two things up and they'll be fine in game five. And whoever wins game five is something like 83, 84% of the time they win the series. So that's what we should have in this series. This, this series should um, follow the historical precedents that have been established over all these years. Um, so I'm expecting a win tomorrow by Phoenix at home. That place is going to be rocking. So Phoenix should just go ahead and take care of business in game five, and they'll have to try to close it out in Milwaukee in game six, and that's going to be that's going to be a tough task. It's going to be all she wrote. That's going to be a tough task. All right, I got Phoenix game five. Who you got? Yeah, same thing. They should okay. win. I, in fact, I, I, I don't even know what the line is. but Don't, don't matter. They're going to cover. All right, anything in baseball? Well, um... Not really, not really. But I did want to make mention of a couple of things on the uh, the Olympic side, USA basketball side. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that because uh, Kevin Love um, is not; he's out now. After all my my extended tirade about him not even belonging on the team, 
which I guess he's saying he's not physically capable. So he's out, and so is Bradley Bill. So they got to come up with two replacements, and there's a, a lot of support for Keldon Johnson staying on the team. And I could see that for, for the sake of continuity and also because of his versatility, um, at least defensively. His defensive versatility is something that really plays big in um, international basketball. Because you got a lot of non-prototypical type players in international ball, so he should fit in well. And he's versatile enough offensively. You know, he's a good rebounder, uh, so you can get some offensive boards. He can make some threes, but he's primarily a slasher, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, three and D type of guy. You For, know, oops, excuse me, the high effort type of guy, dirty work type of guy. So he's the type of guy that we were just talking about the last show that Team USA needs. So I think he'll be a good fit in that regard. So, you know, that's it as far, you know, and of course, they the game against Australia that was scheduled for today got canceled because of health and safety protocol, precautionary measures. So that game got canceled, which would have been a nice um, indicator, a barometer about where they are. But with Bradley Beal being out, you know, maybe it's just as well give him a chance to um, regroup. First thing I thought you were going to say is that it's like they were listening to our show because we said we never saw this. We never saw a backdoor cut. We never saw pick and roll with these guys. Mm-hmm. We never saw, you know, and the next, the very next game, they did all of those things. They did all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I said, how, how are you guys doing all this stuff in this game but you couldn't do it the last game the same guys (laughs) Uh, maybe the opponent has something to do with it because Argentina is an old team Um, so not really expecting that much out of them no it was it was I'm not going you're not going I'm not going for that okay because they just didn't play basketball Uh they just didn't do anything there was just no effort and it was just all this ISO then the very next game it was night and day difference they literally did all the things that we were mad that they weren't doing and they won easily yeah but have you been seeing kd the shit that kd is doing on the floor he did this move in the game where he was at the top of the key he gave to do the inside out crossover crossed right back stutter stepped with a hezzy and then did a little floater in the lane uh, that was like where he's falling away to the right to this little floater off of a Euro step. I was like, man, that's stupid. That's stupid. I guarantee you, you're going to see this, the play that I'm talking about, you're going to see it on the highlight realm. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, dude, to have somebody seven feet breaking somebody down off the top, off the dribble at the top of the key like that? I was like, my God, dude. It, it's just unfair. And then he can pull up at any time. And yeah. It's like he don't even see the defender. No. But that's the really, you know what? Um, that's the shape of things to come. It really is. We're going to see more and more guys similar to KD in, the, you know, in basketball in the years to come. Because you got a, quite a few of those kind of guys in the, in the upcoming draft. You know, I'm excited about this upcoming draft because they really got some guys who I think are going to be generational players, potentially generational players. First big man I ever saw doing most of the stuff that KD can do was Rasheed Wallace. Mm -hmm. 
he was the first big man that I saw where I was like, man, he, I don't know how you going to stop him. Him in today's league, oh, like Rasheed Wallace yeah, in today's league, he would be a superstar. Yeah, he would be. But at the time, they still weren't really letting guys no. who could do everything do everything. Yep. So a lot of people don't even realize how great Sheed really was. Sheed was the man. And he was a tremendous defender. He he was the man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I say in today's league, because they let guys really showcase yeah. everything. Like, yeah. man, our God, dude. Like, back then they made you more of a specialist. Okay, well, or, or they say, you know what? I know you can do more, but these if you do these two things, it'll help our team be great. But they should have let Sheed really be the superstar that he was. That's what would have helped their team the most. Mm -hmm. um, but the, it, guys just, they weren't coaching and all that. They weren't there yet. They're always like a college education. They're always outdated. Mm. You know? So <clears throat> you can't always, you can't expect them to be with the times. You know, it's always some archaic view of things. And it takes the, the player, the person to make it so that they have to do something different and they can't deny that things are changing. You know what I mean? Like when KD came in, he was such an undeniable talent that it was like, man, we got to let this guy get some shine. We yeah. can't just, you know, he come in the league, leading the league and scoring. Yeah, we got to just let him do what he does. Like, you know, when you have special talents like that, and it's really like more often than not, those kind of things are residue, like you said, of coaching. Mm -hmm. Coaches decide that, no, we can't allow a guy to do this or do that, which is ridiculous. You just let guys do what they do. And that's something that I've talked about ad nauseum. You know, I've always said that, you know, when you're, when you're putting together a team at whatever level, you just throw the guys in the gym and watch them play and see what guys do well and then put them in a position to do those things. It's really not that difficult. You know, you don't have to have these preconceived notions about what's supposed to happen based on, you know, archaic ideas. It's just ridiculous. That's so true, Dad. That's so true. It's like you can't be thinking, oh, well, this tr traditionally functions in this role. So this is what it is. It's like, no, it's, that's not what it is. What you got to be thinking is, what does this do? Right? Mm -hmm. Then you can find a host of applications for it if you're thinking about it like that. Because what it may have been made for and intended for, it may be useful for other things. Exactly. exactly. You know, so you got to be thinking, what does this do? Okay, now what could that be used for? What are the different ways that this can be used and utilize it accordingly? But that's not, that hasn't been the mentality. Well, that's what Red Auerbach did with Bill Russell. He saw the future. He said, if we get this guy doing the kind of things he saw what Bill Russell was doing at the University of San Francisco, he says, man, if we can have that guy do those things, with our team, with all these great perimeter players we already have, all we need is a defensive anchor, anchor, and a guy who can rebound and outlet the ball to the to our perimeter guys, and we'll destroy everybody. And leadership. Oh they yeah, needed of course. Leadership. Yeah, and, and his his basketball IQ. You know that those kind of things really get overlooked. But that's really been the key to the Celtics' success, regardless of when they've had it whether it was in the 50s and the 60s, whether it was in the 70s when they had Dave Cowens, an undersized center, you know, whether it was in the 80s with Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish, which was a super team, you know, like I was telling you before with Dr. J and the 76ers, there have been super teams, and I'm glad that they talked about it in the last uh, finals telecast. They talked about that. Uh, super teams are nothing new. 
So whenever you have somebody who's willing to think outside the box is the moral of that story. And you're willing to think outside of the box. You have extraordinary things happen. You just got to be visionary. It's facts. You know, I used to talk about this with Mr. Hennessy. He used to say, you know, you want to be ahead of the curve then stay outside of the box. You know, the curve is, is always curves around the box. Mm-hmm. You know, so you want to be on that wavelength. You got to think outside of these you know, the, the confinement that they like to put thinking in, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you can, be, you know, not be bound by that. Yeah, not be you bound by convention. Yeah, you always stay ahead. Always You can't ahead. allow yourself to be bound by convention. You always have to be open to the possibilities. And that's a mantra for life. I don't care whether, you know, what aspect of life, because business is just part of life. Sports is part of life. So however you apply it, you know, the same principles are universal. Yeah. You have to you have to be visionary, you have to be open. And you have to be able to anticipate, you know, trends, where things are headed. Mm-hmm. Look ahead and see what's coming. Yeah. And 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 put yourself in position. Um, exactly. I mean, that's the purpose for doing it. You look ahead so you can position yourself properly. Mm-hmm. And you did ask this question and I, I think this will probably be a good place to um to close. You asked about baseball. Um and I just want to talk about it in an overview sense because really Boston, Boston and San Francisco Giants have been the story of the first half. Nobody expected the Giants to be where they are. They're ahead of both the Dodgers and the Padres, which was everybody's darlings to dominate in the National League. No, I think that might be a little bit schedule based, though. Oh well, we'll see. So we'll see. We'll no. see. The numbers don't say so. The numbers say that Mil- I mean that San Francisco. It's just been great. You know, they've gotten great pitching and maybe some unexpected performance out of it offensively. I think pretty much all of it has been unexpected, but it's been solid because Kevin Gosman and Jose Cueto and um, those guys on the pitching side for the Giants. And then he got guys like Brandon Crawford having a renaissance and Evan Longoria and people like that. And then their young guys performing. Um, it's just been crazy. But um, they only got like a game or two lead on the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are the Dodgers. And the Dodgers got an easier schedule to uh, to close the season than. Yeah, because they had a bunch of early games with the Padres. It, yeah, yeah, they exactly. had a bunch of early games with the Padres. So we'll see. Obviously, nobody's expecting San um, San Francisco to be able to hang on and and sustain the performance that they've had in the first half. And the Boston Red Sox have just been awesome without really having any real frontline pitchers available. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they've been doing it. I mean, they just have tremendous offensive numbers. And, of course, Tampa Bay is still Tampa Bay. They're hanging in there doing what they do. And uh, Toronto in the um, – so the American League East and the National League West have been the, like the two divisions to, to watch. Mm-hmm. Everybody else has been somewhat mediocre. You got a lot of White Sox because of their potential. They just got a ton of talent. And they'll probably run away with the um, American League Central. Um, but the American League East, American League West is just pitiful. And um, the Astros are dominating that. Nobody roots for the Astros for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we're going to have a lot of activity uh, by – my favorite team at the trade deadline. They've already traded one of the guys that they just picked up. They traded Jock Peterson yesterday um, to the Braves for a prospect. And we're going to see more of that. We'll probably see uh, Chris Bryant get traded. They're uh, definitely selling. They're not buying. Yeah, yeah, they're sellers. So it's going to be 
I mean, because they started off the season selling, and I think they anticipated to get to the break and, and, and finish that off because they got a lot of guys coming up on on contracts, and they want to get you know they don't want to be left with nothing in the cupboard. So these guys that they're probably going to lose anyway, like Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez and <coughs> excuse me, all the guys that are the core of their of their championship team, all those guys are likely to be gone. So. I can really officially give up on the Cubs, and they went to the the All Star break on an eleven eleven game losing streak. So, so I got to say about baseball. There's still some interesting races out there. Like I said, American League East, National League West. Those are the two divisions to watch, and I think it's going to be interesting. And it's good to have the fans back in baseball because that brings excitement back. All right, good show today, Dad. Good show and brief, but. Brief but good. So thanks, everybody, f- for listening. We certainly appreciate the, the love and support. We love y'all. Um, got a lot. To, by the time we, we talk to you guys again on Tuesday, we'll probably have some type of near closure because the next, the next after Saturday, the next game is on Tuesday. So we'll, we'll have a good idea as where we're headed in the NBA Finals. All right, to close the show, I'm going to do a shameless plug. Check out www.pianomechanic.com. If you need your piano serviced, you can book online under booking. All the fees for all the services are listed. You can book right there online for a date and a time that best suits you. Check check me out, y'all. I've been doing this for over 15 years. I love to service pianos. My specialty is in voicing, which is tone manipulation, so I can make your piano sound however you wish, warm, rich, mellow, you know, bright, bold, sweet. You know, can customize that tone for you. A lot of piano owners don't know that that's something that you can do. But if you got a technician that's, that's skilled in that area, they can definitely customize that for you. So go on our website. Please check me out. Anything else you want to add at the end, Dad? No. Do you have on your site, do you have um, tips on um, maintenance and care and proper? Actually, I'm about to post that. Um, I just recorded some stuff on that, and I'm about to post that to the site. Um, And I got some um, services that I also need to add on there um, that haven't been put on there since I initially did the site. So definitely need to update it a little bit, but... I'll spend some time doing that this weekend and get those up there because a lot of customers are having issues with certain things because they just don't have the information that they need. Exactly. So I've, I've, through my experience going to different people's houses and seeing what they're dealing with, it's made me realize the need for it. So that's what made me want to put those little quick little video clips together, post them on my site. I'm also going to be putting some of them on my Instagram page, which is the the Piano Mechanic on IG, if you want to check me out. Um, I always take pictures or maybe short little videos of um, the pianos I'm working on so you guys can kind of see what I'm working on you know, on the day-to-day. So, yeah, definitely check us out and be looking for some some more of the videos of some of the work I'll be working on. I also buy old um, pianos. I refurbish them and I flip them. So if you're interested in finding a good refurbished piano, um, definitely keep your eyes on my IG page and on my website because I post them um, when I'm working on them and when they're done so people can grab them. And they usually do go pretty quick. So definitely be looking out for that. All right, guys. Thanks for checking out. 
our show today. Thanks for rocking with us continually. Sugar Free signing out. Peace. I can get it there, whatever you need Hey, move the zip, I ate the whole cake If you're holding weight, you move it out of state, nigga They call me the transporter I'm good from three-point range, call me Terry Porter Switch. No talking, no tape recorder Ain't worried about getting caught, I'm crossing the border A hundred G's paid to retain a lawyer I paid the fees to move to La Jolla a pit bull like a Georgetown Hoya Who the employee and I'm the employer Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man I do whatever it takes to get it, man In the name of show, show I'ma smash the gas yeah. Smoking my juicy fruit in pursuit of cash And I bring the house of pain like I was everlast Ever since a young nigga labeled me an outcast I'm going balls out, my back's against the wall Big balls, about the size of a tennis ball Big ball. Shit. I'll show you how to ball out Hit the game like a nuclear fallout If you win the dissing, I'm the one you should call out I'm on a mission, player, I never sold out I took the other route, I went against the grain Me and my nigga, man, we the ones to follow We some girls, niggas, we going full throttle Got a fifth in Hennessy and I'ma drink the whole bottle Pocket full of money, player, feeling like I won the lotto Got a bad bitch, call her America's top model Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man I do whatever it takes to get it, man I do whatever it takes 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 to get it, man I told you, nigga, you know my persona I'm a soldier, nigga, deputy for designer Yelling, ain't no peace till the niggas get in peace While I flip my middle finger to your honor Smoking on the finest marijuana I can find Up on the money gang, we throwing up dollar signs We on the grind like each and every day Seven days a week 24, 7, 365 The last time I checked it was all about the money, power, and respect I'm certified solid, better check my rep You couldn't see through me if you was looking at my silhouette Blood in my eye like the great George Jackson We bout to take it, we ain't asking to say the least I put that on my brother's dead and deceased I'll be a rider till I rest in peace Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes to get it, man.